You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. The enemy, the enemy shouldn't run at me when I'm preaching. Because I, 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 I get knocked down, but then something inside of me just makes me want to run back even harder. I don't know, maybe I've caught that off Pastor Keith. As a, he always says he's a counterpuncher. And I'm just not willing to lie down. I'm just not willing to take him when he runs at me. I just kind of look at him and I'm like, Boy, I tell you, you don't want to run at me this week. Because when I'm down, that's when I actually rely on God. You know, when I'm on the mat, that's when, that's when His Spirit stirs up in me. How ironic, a little piece of paper falls out on it, steps to freedom. Awesome. Well, huge welcome uh, to everyone this morning. Thank you so much for coming out on this long weekend. Who's excited about the long weekend? Hey Amen. Who's got big plans for Monday? And our families are getting together and down by the lake. It's going to be good. And um, yeah, I love long weekends. I love, I love yesterday, Australia Day. I don't know if you're uh, up with the whole date scenario. I'm not really big on it. I just love celebrating our nation. I love celebrating what we're a part of. I love this great Southland of the Holy Spirit as I, I grew up singing about, right? I love that God has a plan for our nation. And uh, I'm believing that there's going to be a revival in Australia. I don't know about you, but last night I'm, I'm, I'm running, fireworks are going off, and I'm like, come on, God, for this nation, for our land, for Australia, for all that it is. I love this place, and I want, I want God to come and bring revival to our land. And uh, yeah, so I hope you're having a great Australia Day long weekend. It's going to be good. If you've got a Bible with you today, I'd love for you to open up to our series scripture. And uh, we've been talking for the last few Sundays about this idea of new. This idea that we are a new creation, that if we've accepted Christ into our life, the person of Jesus, if we've accepted Him, we have not just uh, gone on a journey where we become a better person or a good person, uh, but we've become a new person, a completely new creation, a new transformed, reborn, uh, Nate Wellburn 2.0, if you will, right? We are, we're a new person. We're not just better, a better version of our old self. Uh, we're a new thing, which means that if there's anything that, that is in you, that is something that you don't necessarily like about yourself, a weakness, a propensity, a, a proclivity, I'm telling you, that is part of the old you. It's not a part of the new you. And by faith, we can step into the new, ask the new creation and move out of those things. And, uh, and, and we get that from uh, what Paul writes to his, his letter, in his letter to the Corinthian church. And so we're going we're gonna to read that scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning, just to set the scene. It says, therefore, it's going to be on the screens if you don't have your Bible with you. Uh, but if you do, it's uh, page 2037 in my Bible. Um, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I just, if anyone is in Christ, can I tell you this morning, that should not be a question for you. If you have a living, breathing relationship with God, you are in Christ. That is, that is your position 
you are in Him, so automatically you can apply this to yourself. I used to live as that, as it was a question for me all the time. I'm like, am I in Christ? I don't know. I sinned the other day. Does that mean I'm out of Christ suddenly? Can I tell you 100%? No. You are in Christ. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. They're dead. It says they've been crucified on the cross. Behold, remember we learned last week, that word behold, it means see. Can you see all things have become new? Can you see it in your life? And now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Our new creation is not just for us, but it is to, to speak of the goodness of God to other people. Amen. Can we pray this morning as we head into the Word? Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You that it is life to us. I thank You that it courses through our veins. God, it brings joy. It brings peace. It brings adjustment. God, I pray that as it goes out today, it would absolutely accomplish its purpose in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we lift up our Northwest campus to you this morning as they're just beginning. Lord, I pray there would be an anointing on their praise. I pray there would be an anointing on Pastor Darren as he brings the Word in that place. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for continued growth in that place in Jesus' name. And God, help the Jets. We need a miracle. I see them in the finals. I see them there. I see them winning the first game. I declare it uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Uh, sorry, I'm going to drink a bit this morning. I'm a bit croaky. <coughs> So uh, in the last week or so, uh, Rachel and I have, have had the incredible blessing of uh, having a, uh, getting a new car. And uh, I love new cars. Uh, I haven't had very many in my life. Um, I'm talking like sort of brand new, but they still smell new. Uh, it's, it's very special. Um, but it's interesting how the first time we got a new car, uh, a few months prior to that, uh, we had purchased ourselves uh, a used car, but it was new to us, right? Um, that's how most of us get our, our new cars. And, and we've been looking for ages, and I really wanted this particular type of car. And, and so we found it, but it was like a three, four-hour drive away to go and get it. And we ummed and out about it for ages. And eventually we're like, look, there's just nothing else there that really nails what we want in the same way that this particular car does. Let's bite the bullet. Let's do a road trip to go and buy a car. And so we did that. We drove all the way down past like Aladala somewhere, um, which was actually incredibly beautiful because we left the kids at home. So there was no screaming in the back seat. And um, that's a great strategy. And uh, I had this lovely little road trip. We stopped for coffee, all these things we can't do because we have two young kids and stopping for coffee and enjoying the scones and little, you know, the jacarandas, all, in, uh, all those sorts of things. You can't do that. Um, but so we did that. We took the opportunity and we got down and we, we test drove this car and I fell in love with it. It's this little Mazda 3 and I feel like I'm a little chirping through the gears as I'm cruising around. And anyway, we bought it. Long story short, we bought it and, and I loved it. It was my little go-kart. I used to call it. Zoomed around everywhere and um, I, I, I just, I just, yeah, I love that car. And then suddenly we got this new car. And how, how interesting is it when our perspective of our old new changes when we get a new new? 
I find it's the same with my clothes. I don't know if, if you like clothes like I do. I love clothes shopping. Um, you know, yeah, I know Pastor Keith loves hunting. I, um, I, I prefer to hunt uh, the, the shops for deals. Uh, that's my type of hunting. Boxing Day sales, if I can tell you right now, if, if the test did not begin on Boxing Day, um, I would be at the shops. But because this cricket, I'm in front of the TV. Um, sport trumps shopping, but it's a close second. So... I find that when I buy a new item of clothing, it doesn't matter how much I loved the, the previous new perfect uh, item of clothing, my perspective changes um, on, on what was new that is now old. And what I've discovered is that new is not necessarily the important thing. New is great, uh, but, but God is the God of the new. And so we should not just focus on one new, but there will be continued news one after the other after the other in our life. And we, we need to allow ourselves to understand that if we get, we get so caught up in the new, what we don't realise is that sometimes the important thing is not the new, but it's our perspective of the new. And so this morning, what we're going to talk about is how do we shape our perspective? You see, when we talk about perspective, what we're talking about is what, what we see. So last week, we're talking about see. Can you see that, that new space? Can you see what God's already done for you? It's there. It's in front of you. You can, you can, you can seize it. And then I, then I left you hanging like a, like a terrible preacher and said, I'm going to tell you how to seize it next week. And um, thank you for all of you who decided to come back and, and hear how to do that. Um, but just before we dive into the meat of the message, uh, I feel like there's a couple of things straight off the bat I just, I just want to kind of get through. Is that all right? Um, I want to, I last week we talked about this idea of the wide open space and life is, is to get bigger and bigger and we we're supposed to go from generosity to generosity. I just want to make sure that no one takes away from that, that our life is supposed to be about doing more and doing more. That's, that, that is not in line with Scripture. And, and what we do find is that when we actually do outside of the space that our capacity has grown to manage, we arrive in a place where we cannot continue. Now I can back that up in Scripture later if you want to talk about it. But, but what we're supposed to know is that the, the, the life that flows from our heart is supposed to get bigger and bigger. That life, that place where generosity flows, that place where acceptance flows, where forgiveness flows, that place where grace was seated in our heart, that is the place that will flow out into our physical, tangible world in particular ways. But ultimately, that is the life that gets bigger and bigger. I don't ever want to tell you that you have to do more I think that that's counter to what Scripture teaches us. All right, so I wanted to just, just get that off the bat. Secondly, um, C equals perspective. What we see is the perspective that we hold towards something. All right, uh, I feel like I could do like a whole series just on this, but we're going to run through a few points and, and maybe I'll keep these slides and talk to Pastor Keith and we might throw them in again later. C equals perspective. Uh, number two off the bat, perspective determines direction of movement. Okay, uh, so it's very difficult to look forwards and move backwards. There's an unsafe way to travel in a car, um, but perspective determines direction of movement. Third, perspective is significant and we have the power, not just the power, but we have the responsibility, okay, for our own perspective. You should not hand anybody else uh, the authority to shape your perspective. You are responsible for your perspective. Let me tell you something, circumstance is not so responsible for your, your perspective. You are responsible for your perspective and your perspective will determine your response, which ultimately can also mean you're responsible for your response. All right. Um, 
Possessing the new will always appear to be a confrontation and a potential battle. Don't ever think that just because you can see it, you're going to walk into it without some type of thing coming against you, trying to restrict you, trying to stop you. Often we think that's a sign that we shouldn't have it because we don't have an understanding that almost every single time in Scripture we see somebody going to possess something new, there is a battle and a confrontation. If we can make sure that our perspective of walking into the new is, is married up with the idea that there will be a battle and a confrontation, we are far more, posi- far, far more effectively positioned to cope with the battle when it comes. And there is always a process to possession, right? The process involves our actions and it is what happens between seeing and possessing. And the process is called seizing. All right, so they were just just the initial introductory points, okay? Um, So what does it look like to seize? Sometimes we're very good at seeing, we're very good at imagining. Sometimes, in fact, we're too good at imagining and we live in our imaginations and not in our reality. But what does it look like to seize? Let me, let me unpack a little bit here. Seizing speaks of the battle. It speaks of being victorious. It speaks of moving from what you didn't have to what you do have and it not just being something that is wishful, but something that is tangible and operating in your life. And, and because it speaks of the battle, we have to understand that battles require weapons. And so to seize, we have to understand how to wield our weapons. We have to understand that we have a weapon, uh, we have multiple weapons, and that we actually have to utilise those weapons. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to go through the battle that will be there and into the land that we can see that's ours. We will stay outside of the land that we can see that's ours and we'll end up getting disappointed. We'll end up getting disillusioned and suddenly we'll start to redefine our perspective of God, our perspective of God based on our circumstance because things haven't gone the way we thought they would. But some of that responsibility lies in the fact we never picked up the weapon that God said He gave us. So what do we use? What is our weapon? What do we use to go from seeing to living in? If I, if I had a secondary title for this morning, um, it would be that there is a weapon. There is a weapon. For those of you who have spent a number of years in church, you'd already be starting to bring up old scriptures and you probably picked where we're going this morning. But if you're new, let's, let's open up our Bibles to another passage of scripture. It's actually not that far from where we just were. Uh, I, love, I love that because Paul unpacks the fact we're new and then continues to walk through these things and arrives in the fact that, that there's, this, there's this weapon. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version this morning. Um, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Isn't that a good thing? So when somebody says something to you that seems like it's attacking you in the flesh, we don't fight back attacking them in the flesh. Right? Now, the wars that we fight are not fought in the tangible. The wars that we fight are not responded to in the tangible. All right, and we don't fight according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Great, powerful scripture. We love quoting it. 
but there's a big difference between quoting it, tattooing it on our bodies or whatever we do and actually recognising how we take it, apply it, use it as what it talks about, this weapon that we have. Right? So before we talk about weapons, let's make sure we clarify where the power of our weapon comes from. Because we, we, don't, we don't war according to flesh, which means the power of our weapon is not in ourselves. The power, we don't hold the power of the weapon to tear down strongholds. Okay, earlier we talked about the fact that the battle is, is the Lord's. Okay, we have a weapon, but we, we step into a dangerous place close to pride when we think we have the power. All right, we're not Bruce Almighty. All right, we don't walk around going, I've got the power. It's, we don't do that. The power is in God. Right, if we read that scripture, we find that our weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. They're not mighty when we separate them from God. They're not mighty when we use them out of alignment with what He would have us use them for. That they don't carry the same power to tear down strongholds when we don't use them in alignment with His power. Okay, so, so the power of the weapon comes from Christ. And for our weapon to have that power to tear down strongholds, we must remain in connection to God through faith, acted out through obedience. And we need to remember the Scripture interprets Scripture, so where we read that we can't, we, we can't somehow not be in Christ, we can be in Christ and not tangibly in connection with Him. Because we're not praying, we're not worshipping, we're not opening ourselves up in the ways that actually connect us with Him. We can be in Him, it's positional, okay? But living connection is relational. So if, if, if you're not operating in the aspects of your, your walk with Christ that bring relationship between you and Him, then you can be in Him and not in connection with Him. And then we get this great unpacking of this in, in the story of the Israelites. And we're going to jump back to Jericho. And just, just for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit about chapter 6. Uh, you can go back. You can make this your daily uh, read for this, this week, Joshua chapter 6. All right. And what we see is that, that after Joshua has this, this interaction, this conversation with the commander of the Lord's army that we unpacked last week, and, and the commander says, Joshua, can you see I've given you the land? After that takes place, then he goes on to give Joshua a series of instructions as to what he wants Joshua and the whole nation of Israel to do so that they can possess the thing that he's asked Joshua to see. So there was, there was, can you see? Then there was instruction. And then there was something that Joshua needed to do. Okay. And so what Joshua was, was required was to act in obedience. We will only, we will only operate in, in, in obedience when, when we are connected in trust. Because obedience comes out of trust. If we don't trust, we're uncertain whether we should or we shouldn't. But when we, when we, when we trust, we, we, we have this solidity inside of us to, to outwork the thing that God has asked us to outwork. And so obedience is far easier when it's found in trust rather than when it's found, uh, as it used to, in just being obedient to the law. Okay, so, 
So let's unpack this a little bit. All right, Joshua is told, march around the walls six times. On the seventh time, march around seven times. And then after that point, let out a shout and the walls will come down. That was what Joshua was told to do, which sounds interesting. Uh, I wouldn't know necessarily how to, how, if God said that to me about my bank account, I don't know how I would go around my bank account six times, although it goes around my mind about six times. Um, the, the reality is that Joshua was given a set of instructions and then it was placed into his hands as to whether he would be obedient to those instructions or not. You see, faith is a doing word. Faith is not the same as hope. Hope doesn't necessarily have a t- uh, an action attached to it. Faith has an action attached to it. So if we, are, if, we are, if we have faith in God, then there is an action that will demonstrate our faith. That's one of the reasons that underlies the fact that James says, uh, well, faith uh, without works is dead. Uh, there has to be something that comes out of our expression of faith to demonstrate that it's faith. Faith itself is it's a verb word, it's an action word. And so, and so to, say, to, to, to demonstrate that Joshua had faith and trust in what God was telling him to do, there was to be this outworking of the action. And so doing what he was told to do, believing that as they did what they were told to do, God would do the rest. And so he was not once told to attack. He was not once told to, to set the archers up and, and shoot the people off the wall. He was actually not given one offensive strategy. He was called to trust that the battle, the power, the whole uh, way in which the wall was going to come down, that was totally in God's hands. And if you trust me, Joshua, you will do what I've said. And all I've told you to do is keep walking. That's all I've told you to do. Keep walking, keep walking. And sometimes it's going to look like you're walking around the same thing five, six, seven times. And the reality is that God is absolutely a part of that journey in your life. And He is saying, the battle is mine, the power to tear down that wall, it's mine. Don't, you don't need to go on the offensive. Your offensive is faith. Your offensive is to stay believing that the battle is mine. Your, your offensive is to keep walking, knowing and believing that that wall is coming down because the Lord has said it's coming down. And what we see in Joshua 6, 14 um, is, is really critical because, because it's at this point where jo- there's a word used and you could say, oh no, you're just picking on one random word in Scripture, um, possibly. But uh, I, think, I, think, I think it's okay to do that in this context. Joshua says that they continued the pattern. They continued the pattern. I think if we've, if we've got that slide 16, there we go, oh, perfect. It says, on the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. Um, some of us have approached an area of our life freedom once and it didn't happen. And so we've given up. We've assumed that God's not a part of that. We've assumed we did something wrong. Can I tell you, you didn't do something wrong. God, God's, God's, just, God's just deepening the faith that you have in Him. Remember last week we talked about Hebrews and how it says we get stronger in the battle. Can I tell you, the longer you walk when nothing happens, believing it's still going to happen, that is causing your faith to go deeper and deeper. And the longer it doesn't change, but you keep declaring that it is going to change, that is your faith being deepened in God. And so they went around a second time um, and it says they continued that pattern. They continued that pattern. God called the Israelite nation into a process. He called the Israelite nation into a pattern. There was a a process, a journey, a time frame of trust and obedience. 
that as long as they remained in God, they would access a power that would tear the walls down and enable them to possess the new. I think, I think and this isn't a judgment or a condemnation because I do it all the time in my own life, but I think sometimes we just don't do the journey. I think sometimes, I think sometimes we, just, we just convince ourselves that, that God isn't going to do what he said he's going to do. That somehow when he says he's the same yesterday, today and forever, when somehow when it says he's good, somehow where it says he's faithful, somehow our own humanness, we decide he's not because it's not. And we allow our circumstances to define our description of God rather than the Word of God to define the truth about God and us continue to walk in that until we see what we are praying that we will see. Stronghold of Jericho was a, a it was a tangible place, right? Like they, it, it gets this incredible description in Scripture where it, it is the walls of Jericho are said that that was so wide and thick that they could have chariot races around the top of these walls. I mean, this isn't just some some small, easy to to tear. This isn't like a old hardwood fence out. Has anyone got a like an old hardwood fence out the back of their place that they're already eyeing off as firewood come winter, right? We're not talking about a little fence like that, right? We're not talking about your local colour bond, little white picket fence around the edge of the cricket ground. We're talking about a stone wall that, that if we read um, um, some other of the stories in Scripture, we realise there were houses within the wall, right? Like the wall was so thick, your three-bedroom, two-bathroom ensuite is built into the wall, okay? There's, there is chariot races. So this isn't just like one chariot thick. This is multiple chariot. This is a big wall. I don't know if you face a big wall in your life. I, don't, I can imagine that you do because you put your faith in Christ and it's almost like as soon as you do that, there's a guarantee as like life's gonna get more difficult. Um, let's, uh, no, let's, not, let's not confuse things here. Um, God is amazing and good. He's an incredible plan for our life. But as soon as we put our life in His hands, suddenly it seems like these walls come against us. Suddenly it seems like these enemies come against us. Like, wow, I didn't, I, I didn't have any of that before I put my faith in Christ. And it's like suddenly now I do. And I'm like, oh, I start to second guess my, my, my decision. That's, a, that's like the first space that God wants you to possess is overcoming this idea that, that life is meant to be always easy with God. Life is always blessed because God blesses. Life is always good because God is good. But, but that doesn't mean that our circumstances are always going to line up with that. And it's okay to be open and honest with God and go, God, right now my circumstances are really tough. My circumstances are difficult. Life is difficult, but God is good. That's our response. We don't face the same strongholds that the Israelites faced. Instead, we face strongholds that sometimes we can't see. We face strongholds that spin around in our minds. We face strongholds in our, in our emotions. We face strongholds in our bodies. Like that sickness has been there for so long, it seems like it's immovable. These are the strongholds that we face today. Bank accounts and bosses, relationships. They can be just as real, right? Like they can be just as real as a, as a, as a, a brick wall in front of us. And the good thing is that they don't require a different approach. They require exactly the same approach. The weapon 
that we yield, the weapon that 2 Corinthians talks about, the weapon that, that ultimately Joshua was told to wield came at the end of the process. There was trust through the process. And the last thing they were told to do was use your mouth. Use your mouth. Lift up a shout of praise. And at that point, the wall will come down. The wall didn't come down during the process because the process was deepening a faith. It was deepening a trust. It was testing an obedience. The process has a purpose, but the process did not tear down the wall. It was the moment they opened up their mouth at the end of the process and they still had enough faith to praise their God that the wall was gonna come down. Even though they'd been around that thing 13 times, uh, they still believed that what God said would happen happen. And I'm telling you, our weapon is what comes out of our mouth. Our weapon is speech. Our weapon is what we say. It is what we don't say. Our weapon is what we declare. And when we, are, when we understand that our weapon is what we do with our words, suddenly we realise the power of what we say about what we see. What we say out loud, what we say in our minds, what we say when we're confronted with a stronghold, what we say about that stronghold, what we say about what we see, the power to tear down your stronghold comes on our words. Listen, listen, let's remember, we don't have the power, no, we have the weapon, but the power is in God. And when our words align with God's Word, when our words align with God's perspective, when our words move us into a place where we're declaring the truth out of our mouth, that's where the power comes on the weapon and the wall comes down. Our words have the capacity to align us with what God says and move us towards what He sees for us. What we say about what we see will determine whether we seize the space or surrender the space. See, if we understand... um, the journey of the Israelite nation, we realise that at this, this point where, they, where they're confronted with this <clears throat> stronghold of Jericho, we realise it's not the first time they've seen the promised land. It's not the first time that they've seen, it's, it's not even the first time that they've stepped foot. <coughs> Cheers. It's not the first time that they've stepped foot. It's not even the first time that they have walked in the lands of Jericho. It's not the first time, except that the first time when they came back and they were asked to speak about what they saw, what they spoke, changed their perspective to a place of fear rather than a place of faith. And so they never possessed what God had always promised them to possess. What they said about what they saw moved them away from seizing it into a place where they surrendered it. And for 40 years, they wandered around the wilderness until they came back to the same place where God says, I can still see it. Can you still see it? I'm a God that's always about second chances, always about other opportunities. Even under the law, God gave them a second opportunity to walk into the promise. And we live under grace, which means every single morning, we have a new opportunity to see the promised land in our life again. Every single morning, we walk in forgiveness and we have an opportunity to see that can still be mine. Every hour we have an opportunity. Even if we messed up last minute, we have an opportunity right now under the grace of God to go, you know what? I can see it and I'm going to start to speak something of faith rather than something of fear about what I see. And I'm going to start to seize it. I'm going to start to walk towards it. We have a weapon that can work for us or we have a weapon that can work against us. 
It can move us toward or it can move us away. The power of life and death is in the tongue, says Proverbs. And this is why Joshua, this is, this is great, this is awesome. So often we think that it's God who told Joshua, don't let the Israelites speak. It wasn't God who told Joshua to tell the Israelites. It was Joshua himself who realised last time when I was a scout, when I was just one of the people that went into the promised land to scout it out, I came back and 10 of the people I went in with said terrible things. Ten of the people that I went in with said things that caused fear and, and caused, caused, caused us to surrender the space that God has for us. So you know what? This time, everyone else, don't say anything. Don't speak. I understand now. I understand the power of, of the words that can come out of our mouth. I understand that they're actually the weapon that God gave us. You know what? Last time, if all 12 had said something of faith and aligned their words with what God had already said was theirs, then I'm telling you, they would have walked into the promised land at that point. But no, only two people said things of faith about what they saw. 10 people said otherwise. 10 people said, we can't do it. 10 people said, I look like a grasshopper in their eyes. We're small. We can't do it. We don't know how to fight. 10 people said things that brought discouragement. 10 people said things that, that caused the Israelites to walk around for another generation before they possessed the land that God had for them. And Joshua realised, do you know what? This time while we're walking, this time while we're going through the process, this time all 13 times around this wall, this time, listen up everybody, listen up nation. I don't want anyone speaking. Let's just do a blanket silence just in case, just in case there's one person in there that through the process loses faith. Because hands up, everybody has done that, right? We've all done that. No, don't put your hand up. Um, but Joshua knew, hey, let's just keep it silent this time. Let's just keep it silent this time. And let's make sure that the first thing that comes out of our mouth is a, is a piece of praise. Let's make sure that that's the first thing that comes out of our mouth because I don't want anyone, I don't want anyone, I don't want anyone saying we can't do this. I don't want anyone saying, I don't think God's with us because this wall hasn't come down yet. I don't want anyone saying that, that, that hey, we're thinking a bit too big right now. Hey, I don't, want anyone, I, don't want anyone, I don't want anyone saying that when we bought the building so that downstairs could become, could become a place where we are outreaching into the community. I don't want anyone saying anything that's not, that's not full of faith. I don't want anyone saying anything that's gonna stop us from seizing the thing that we see that building doing for our community and this church. I'm telling you, sometimes... Sometimes our senior pastor gets a vision. And sometimes our words have not aligned with faith. And I'm just here to tell you that I, I firmly believe that we are going to see incredible growth, incredible influence. It is on this house. And the walls that stand in front of this house are coming down in Jesus' name. I'm so grateful for grace. I'm so grateful for the, the days and the moments where I lose faith and I start saying things that aren't in line with faith. And I, I start saying, I don't know if we did the right thing. Or, you know, those words that come out of mind. I'm so grateful for grace and forgiveness and the Word of God that reminds me, hey, why don't you bring your language back in line with my Word? 
Why don't you bring your speech back in line with what I say over this church? Why don't you bring your language back in line with faith and hope and life? Because that's what God says is, is He has given to us. I've given you faith and hope and life and life abundant. And I'm telling you, the power to move into the things that we see, not just in our life, but what we see this church's future look like. I'm telling you, the power to do that comes on our words when we begin to speak out what we see with a spirit of faith, knowing God has given it to us. Again, lots of amens from the front row. How's the back row doing? How are you guys doing this morning? You all right? You still with me? So Joshua said no words. David spoke to Goliath. Ezekiel spoke to the bones. Jesus spoke to the storm. And then he told us, to speak to the mountain. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, but we continue to preach, we continue to speak because we have the same type of faith as the psalmist, as David. Remember, David was the one who spoke to Goliath. So now we've got, now we've got Paul quoting, this is what David said. David in the psalm said, I believe in God and so I speak. And Paul is saying, that's what we should do. That's what we should continue to do. We should continue to speak because we believe in God. God's perspective is victory. His perspective is that you've already got it. So when we say about a stronghold or what we say about what we see aligns with God, there is a power to tear the walls down. When we align our speech with God's perspective, we move into the powerful space of faith, which works to hold us on the process of seizing. That's why there's so much power when we speak out the Word of God over a situation. Look at Jesus at His temptation. He's tempted in the wilderness. His response it is written. We think it's a good idea, but it's meant to become something tangible that we do. When we're confronted with all sorts of walls in our life, we are actually supposed to get this thing. We're supposed to find something in it that speaks to our situation. We're supposed to make it ours. We're supposed to make it ours. We're supposed to make it our prayer and make it our declaration and make it what's on our mouth about that situation. Can I tell you that perspective is shaped, reinforced, and exposed by words. I can tell when someone's perspective has shifted because of how they begin to speak about something. But not only has it shifted, they've now begun to reinforce the other perspective. Because words will reinforce, they will shape, and they will expose your perspective. So to see it is step one. But to seize it, we need to use the weapon of our words. We need to use the weapon of our words and remain in the space of faith, which is where we access the power to bring change. Awesome. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to make a declaration for yourself before God, now sorry, can I get the team to come back up? <coughs> I get a sense there's some situations that you see this year. There's some spaces, there's some places that you have seen God moving you into this year, both, both out of things, but also into things. There's some, there's some big moves that, that people have seen themselves making this year. 
there's some expansions that people have seen themselves making this year. There's some freedom that people have seen themselves moving into this year. And we're, we're not even that far in and already languages begin to cause our perspective to shift. Our band's going to come out. We're gonna, we're gonna, they're going to begin to pray, uh, play. <clears throat> I just want you, as a, as a sign of declaration, I'm going to do a Joshua. I'm going I'm, I'm to get you not to speak in this moment. There'll be a moment where we'll praise, but right now we're not going to speak. But I want, to, I want to challenge you, if you feel like this word has spoken to you, if you feel like this word has, has begun to just, just subtly say, hey, you know that? You know that situation, you know how you've been speaking about it? Let's change that. Let's renew that. Let's shift that. Let's begin to speak about it in a different way. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.